0: Palestinians who live in Gaza live under a military siege.
1: It's hard for us to to even travel to anywhere, even in Palestine.
0: Water, air, and land borders are completely controlled by the state of Israel.
1: Because Israel controls us. My name is Clara, and this is Sandstone. Sandstone is a storytelling podcast that seeks to understand the nuanced worlds of Arabia and Appalachia, and the people that call these places home. Welcome to part two of the mini-series on Israel-Palestine. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I would highly recommend that you do so, but also you're a free individual, so do whatever you want. In today's episode, we'll meet Iman and her family. They're from Gaza, but now live in West Virginia. And we'll again hear from the Just Vision team, who will demonstrate the relevancy of this conflict to the average American. Let's get started. I didn't know Iman personally, and when we spoke on the phone, she seemed hesitant to talk. Why did I want to know about her story? Why Palestine? And what was my angle? All valid questions. But she gave me an address and said, come on Sunday. We talked then. I pull up in my Subaru, lugging along my grandma's old briefcase. It's a synthetic leather antique with a gold combination lock. Super stylish. But my stomach is flip-flopping. The last thing I want to do is force a story that isn't there from a person who isn't willing. I knock. Iman meets me at the door, wearing a hijab and a warm smile. Her arms are open. Welcome, she says. The whole family is waiting for me in the living room. Four kids and her husband too. And I'm like, hi guys. <laughs> I expected to just interview her, but I'm totally down for a family ordeal. Malish? Oh, Adon? Okay. I sit on the floor and set up my recording equipment on the coffee table, centralized to capture everyone's voices. Her teenage daughter offers me qutayef, a sweet dumpling stuffed with walnuts, and a glass of orange juice. Their home breathes laughter and warmth. They've welcomed me, and I'm so relieved. (laughs) Iman and her family left Gaza two years ago. Her husband was accepted to a Ph.D. program at West Virginia University. After waiting over a year to even apply for a visa, they were finally granted an interview. The state of Israel allows people from Gaza to go to the embassy just one day a week. On that day, they boarded a bus bound for Jerusalem with dozens of other Palestinians all vying for visas to the United States. They were forbidden from getting off the bus. They weren't allowed to bring food or buy food, not allowed to eat for 15 hours. It's like they're moving you from prison to prison, she says. Out of the 95 people that went on the bus that day, Iman and her family were the only ones granted visas. 25 miles. 25 miles long. Gaza is 25 miles long and around 3 to 7 miles wide, home to a population of 1.8 million people. That's an average of 13,064 people per square mile. Now, for some perspective, the West Virginia average is about 77 people per square mile, and our population is declining. So imagine that you live in this place, 13,000 people every square mile, and you can't leave. And no one can come visit you, unless you get a visa from Israel. But, as you heard, that's not a piece of cake. It's hard for for us to to even travel to anywhere, even in Palestine, because Israel controls us. So, unless you are very, very lucky, if you're born in Gaza, you'll stay in Gaza. So what's life like there? There are no job opportunities. Even if you have a job, you won't make good money. Even those who graduate from college, a lot of them are unemployed. In 2018, unemployment was recorded at 52%. And again, for some perspective. While we complain about West Virginia's economy, our unemployment rate was just 4.6% last year. This compared to 52% in Gaza. Yikes. People living in Gaza lack basic civic services, like electricity and clean water. So this is a problem, that people live without electricity for long hours during the day. There's a schedule for when you get it and when you don't. The best-case scenario is that you have electricity for ten hours during the day. Normally, it's eight hours. In the winter, you only get four. (laughs) Water access is easier. It's not like electricity. The electricity is a big problem. With water, we can make do, even if the water comes just two times a week. We can fill up tanks that last the week. You can store water, but you can't store electricity. Now you might be thinking, yeah, it's a shame. Things have ended up this way. But this whole thing doesn't really relate to me. I'm here, they're there, what to do. But if you're an American citizen who votes and pays taxes, this conflict does relate to you. The problem is that the state of Israel receives more international support than the Palestinians do. And this is the problem that started the whole conflict, and why today it's still ongoing. At the end of the day, the U.S. government's relationship with Israel is one of the strongest relationships between any two countries.
0: When we look at the role of the United States in what's happening in Israel and Palestine, the U.S. has played an outsized role as an intervener um, under the auspices of being a neutral negotiator.
1: Here's Suhad from the Just Vision team
0: in part one. The U.S. um, provides exponential um, aid to, to Israel.
1: According to the Congressional Research Service, Israel has cumulatively received
0: the most U.S. foreign assistance since World War II out of any other country. Um, As taxpayers, we are sending money over to support the Israeli government, um, both in terms of its military infrastructure, but also the infrastructure um, that upholds the occupation. So when we're looking at the expansion of illegal settlements um, in the West Bank, when we're looking at the military infrastructure and who's paying for that to be able to suppress and kind of repress Palestinians, we're paying for a good portion of that. Um, And really understanding that our money is intrinsically bound up with what's happening there um, and helping fuel that.
1: Our tax dollars are supporting causes all around the world, causes that we may or may not agree with. And it's not just in Israel-Palestine. Here's Emma from the Just Vision team.
0: One of the things that's really
1: important and that we try to work on through our work at Just Vision is actually trying to de-exceptionalize Israel-Palestine as an issue that is somehow different from other social justice issues or other struggles for self-determination around the globe. And I think that is something that has gotten built into the way that Americans talk about this issue is that... You know, this is a entrenched uh, conflict that has been going on for decades and will continue and there's nothing any of us can do about it. And the reality is, is that's not true. We are, as Americans, complicit in the struggle that's taking place there, um, in the con- in the perpetuation of the conflict and in the perpetuation of the infrastructure of the occupation. And that is something that is hard to grapple with. It's uncomfortable to think that we're complicit in the suffering of communities and families that we've never even met, in places we've never been. And what do we do with this awareness? What is our responsibility?
0: You know, I think each of us as individuals have many ways of engaging. Sometimes that's about making sure that you're Um, holding your media players and your journalists accountable to telling those stories and making sure that they're connecting with those leaders on the ground. Sometimes that looks like um, knocking on your political leaders' doors and saying, are you paying attention to this? Um, Do you know what's actually happening on the ground? Um, If you're an educator, it might be about bringing in stories so students have exposure to what is actually taking place on the ground. If you're a student, it might be about deepening your research in this arena or organizing with student groups. If you're a faith-based community, it might be about, you know, calling on your faith leaders to be having these conversations. We, we make choices every day about what we support and we don't support. Um, our economic choices are very specific ones. Um, what products we buy, what companies we invest in, so on and so forth. I chose many years ago to kind of divest from um, big oil. I also have chosen not to buy products from companies that are helping build and support the military occupation of Palestinian lands. Um, And so there are ways to be able to kind of both express our individual agency and kind of over time build collective um, kind of movement that forces our political leaders to do the right thing on this issue.
1: You know the saying, winners write history? I feel like it's pretty accurate. But what they don't tell you is that winners also write reality. And as media consumers and taxpayers, it's up to us to get to know the winners and the losers, to decide where we stand and what role we'll play, and to hear people out when they ask to be heard, when they've been asking
0: for decades. Um, And in the little time that I've been here, I think one of the things that I've been really moved by and inspired by is, you know, West Virginia has this incredible history of organizing of unions, of workers, um, of protecting worker rights and each other. And I think um, over time, you know, we have seen this happen in Israel-Palestine. We're seeing it happen in our backyards in the United States, where political leaders have done a phenomenal job at um, trying to divide and separate us out from each other and from those kind of origins of who we are.
1: I ask Iman how she likes West Virginia and the people here. She tells me, really, thank God, we're so happy. I mean, in my opinion, the people are kind and the area is quiet and calm. And the most important thing, it's safe here. This project is supported in part by the Critical Language Scholarship Alumni Development Fund. The Critical Language Scholarship Program is sponsored by the U.S. Department of State with funding provided by the U.S. government. Thank you for listening.